Good morning and happy Resurrection Sunday. How many of you glad to be here this morning? Come on. If you will, go ahead and be turning with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. We will be in chapter 15. We will be staying there the whole time. I'm going to try not to be long. I know that's a bad lie for a pastor to say. But I was just sitting there thinking about those words. I'm so glad I learned to trust in him. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's a constant growth of trusting him. Because there's days where I feel like I really trust him. You know what I'm talking about? There's days where I feel like I can give him my all in all. But there's also days in my life where I'm also that other line. Oh, for grace to trust him more. And our trust in Jesus is something that is constantly growing, but it's something that we are celebrating today. We are celebrating it because from the moment we were conceived, from the very moment we were conceived, we have an enemy, an enemy who desires to fulfill his wicked plan with us. This wicked plan is something that a lot of us don't like to talk about, it's our end. We love the beginning of our story, but none of us really want to think about our end. Death is a reality. It's a reality for every single one of us, and all of us will have to face it. But at the same time, we don't have to have fear in this reality. Sure, death exposes our corruption. Death exposes our shame. Death exposes our weaknesses, and death exposes the frailty of our flesh. Death is as close to each and every one of us as the clothes that touch your body right now. David, when he was a young king, was having a conversation with his good friend Jonathan, and he said these words to Jonathan. I am but a step away from death. Each and every one of us are but a step away from death. None of us know when our end will be. None of us know how it will come about. But that doesn't mean that we have to have uncertainty in this. The only way that any of us will ever escape death is with the imminent return of Jesus Christ. But aside from that, let's be real. We're all going to face it. We're all going to come face to face with a reality that none of us really like to think about. While this may seem pretty grim, the reason we're here today is we're here to celebrate the day that death died. Amen. A long time ago, 2,000 years ago to be exact, many people thought all hope was gone. Many people thought that the one that they were following had died. He was put in a tomb, a tomb that was not even his own. That night, they cried and hid for fear of their own lives. This morning, I woke up at four o'clock. And just so y'all know, Sunday morning is the only morning I wake up early. So please don't be calling me early on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, I'm up. You want to call? Call, I'm up. But I was up this morning and it was so beautiful. I looked out, looked out towards my office and the, the windows were just glowing. 
I mean, it was just absolutely lit up. I thought Jennifer had left the porch light on. So I start flipping shades. But there wasn't a light on. There wasn't a light on at all. But it was the most beautiful full moon that I had ever seen. And I sit there and I thought, about that morning, about that morning that Mary and Mary went to that tomb thinking that they were going to prepare the body of the one they loved. I thought about the anticipation and the regret that they were both experiencing at the same time to see what had happened to this man that they'd been following. But at the same time, I thought about the astonishment that they must have felt as well when they come up to that tomb, a tomb that had had a large stone rolled in front of it. And that stone was rolled away. Their savior, their master was gone. What they thought death had taken, Jesus had simply overcome. Some of you are thinking to yourself about the title. Death's not dead. And to an extent, I will agree with you. Because even according to the Bible, it says every man is appointed to death. None of us will escape it. But while the reality of death is still with us, we've got to realize this. For those who repent and believe, it is a hopeful reality. While death is an enemy, and an enemy for sure, we have to realize for those who repent and believe, he is a defeated enemy. And while death is a certainty, it is going to happen. Death is certainly not our end. And the only proof that we need of that is our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. You can clap. Go ahead. It won't bother me one bit. But, but, if Resurrection Sunday is the day that death died, why is it that many still fall asleep? Why is it that many of us will go through this grief process of a lost loved one? Why is it that many will possibly even grieve over us? And a lot of things that we don't understand about death can be found in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Paul is dealing with this very subject here about the resurrection and about death. And he's trying to encourage the Corinthians to know that there is a better day coming, but at the same time, there are some things that you need to realize. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 20, it states this, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. You might want to underline that. We'll be coming back to that. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, all die. So also in Christ, all will be made alive. Let's pray. Father, this morning we are, we're so thankful. We're so thankful to be able to celebrate the day that death died. And while 
It may have its grips on our fleshly body. We know that it does not have any hold on our soul. And we are so thankful this morning to be able to gather together as believers. We're thankful for the other churches that are able to gather as well, Lord. I'm thankful for Redeemer Baptist this morning, Lord, who who called me this week just to borrow our baptism, Lord. I'm so thankful for the few that are being baptized this morning, but Lord, I'm also thankful for the many who will come to know you as Lord and Savior this morning. This morning, Lord, we live in a grim world, but we need to realize this, that this world may be grim, but our eternity is hopeful. Our eternity, Lord, is sealed. Death cannot have us. Sin does not hold us back because of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen. So why is it? Why is it that death still has its grips on us? We know that the wages of sin is death. And what people don't understand is, is simply because you have been forgiven of your sin does not mean that you still don't have to pay the consequences for that sin. Your body still is in grip by those consequences. If I'm driving down the road and a state patrol pulls me over, some of y'all got to see me pulled over in the church van not too long ago. I was not speeding. I was not speeding. Um, But some of you got to see that and some of you got a good chuckle out of it. Well, I'm sitting there talking to that state patrol. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm about to receive a big ticket. So what do I do? I start trying to talk my way out of it. (laughs) Officer, can I pray for you? (laughs) How are you and your family doing? I know it's been tough. But he proceeds to scold me. I mean, he proceeds to scold me. He said, how many people you got in that bus? Uh, It's empty. Oh. Well, what could have happened if you would have had people in that bus? I guess I'd still got pulled over. (laughs) Do you not understand? I'll be honest with you. Here's what it was that got me pulled over right here. Yeah. Do you understand that you could be putting the lives of people in jeopardy? I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I bet I take it very seriously, taking the people's lives and putting them in jeopardy. And I said, I'm very sorry, sir. I'm very sorry that I did this. Just go ahead, write me me the ticket. I'm guilty. Go ahead and do it. Luckily, he had sympathy on me. But if he had not had sympathy on me, would I still have to pay that fine? Even though he told me, it's okay, you're good, don't do it again. Am I still responsible for that fine? Absolutely. We're still responsible for the fine of sin. We will not escape the consequences. Just because you're forgiven does not mean that you still don't have to reap the consequences. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying that through one man, one man, death entered the world. 
And death, again, it's not something that we like to talk about, but I guarantee you, every one of you have a thought about how you want to die, right? Don't want to burn, don't want to drown, don't want to be drugged, suffocated. Yeah, I'm personally praying for the rapture too. I'll be honest with you, I am too. But there's certain things that we don't want to do. And we come up with this crazy notion that we want to die of natural causes. I was listening to Adrian Rogers preach on a sermon on this same scripture this week. And so he said something that I had never thought about before. We all want to die of natural causes, but what we don't realize is death is not natural. Death is not natural at all. Whether it's a heart attack, kidney failure, or even just a freak accident. Death is not natural because death was something that we weren't designed for. We were created in the image of God. That means that we live forever. But when sin come into this earth, when sin come into our bodies, we experience that death. And death, like I said, it's not natural. Neither is sickness natural. Neither is pain natural. All these consequences are consequences of our flesh. But you know what else isn't natural? Separation from God is not natural. It's something we choose. And it's something we choose to do on our own. And once we separate ourselves from God, there is nothing that we can do in our own power to make that relationship right. It doesn't matter how many good deeds you do. It doesn't matter how often you go to church. It doesn't matter how many praise songs you know, how many of them are on your iPhone right now or on your playlist. It doesn't matter how much money you give. It doesn't matter how many people you help. Nothing that you can do on your own can erase that sin of separating yourself from God. You need help. I need help. I constantly need help. In verse 50 of chapter 15, it says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. What Paul is saying here is that these bodies, these sinful, corrupt, wicked, evil, nasty, horrible bodies cannot be in the presence of God. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem for all of us because all of us have this sin, this sin of desiring to be separated from God, this sin of our iniquities being held against us. But the morning that Jesus rose from the dead, Everything changed. That wage, that debt, that ticket we owed, 
it was annihilated. And it was annihilated because death lost every bit of its power. The grave cannot hold us. Death cannot keep us. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are free. So let's look at this a little bit deeper. As Paul's going into this conversation about what's happening here. In verse 35, he says this. But some will say, how are the dead raised? That's a good question. And with what kind of body do they come? That's another great question. Questions that I've wondered myself. You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow, <clears throat> you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps a wheat, or something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished. And to each of the seeds, a body of its own. All the flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts and another flesh of bird and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, Another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars in glory. So also in the resurrection of the dead, it is sown a perishable body, and it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in wickedness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. These bodies are corrupt. These bodies are evil, wicked, just like I said a while ago. This body has to die. And every single one of us, at some point in time in our life, we've been to a funeral. You go to the funeral home or maybe to a church. You hear a pastor speak a couple of words over the person. A couple of songs are sung. And then where do you go? You go to a graveyard or a cemetery, whatever you want to call them. And then what do you do with that body? Put it in the ground. Then what happens to that body? Some say it decays. Some say it decay. And to a point, yes, you're right. But is that body completely dead? Is it? Because this is where we get tripped up. We forget that just like a seed that you put in the ground, that seed looks dead, doesn't it? That seed looks like it has no life whatsoever in it. And that seed is put in the ground. After watering, after nurturing, what happens to that seed? Sprouts. It sprouts. Does the plant that sprouts forth, does it look like the seed? No. It looks completely different. 
Now, sure, it's got the other seeds in that plant, but it is not the same thing that you planted. And what Paul is trying to tell to the Corinthians and what I'm trying to tell to you this morning is, yes, these bodies are corrupt. But once we are placed in the ground and once we, for those who have true faith in Jesus Christ, we will sprout forth and we will look different. It goes on to say that we will still bear a similar image to man, but we will look different. I'll have 10 fingers. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. I'll have, Tommy, we'll have hair. Well, I think we will. Says we'll be similar, so I think we will. I'll be 120 pounds. Praise God for that. Amen. But at the same time, what is planted is not what sprouts forth. We sprout forth a new, perfected creation. All of us strive to be perfect, don't we? Every single one of us strive for perfection in our life. I strive to be a perfect husband. Man, I'm horrible. I strive to be a good dad. Oh, how bad I fell. I strive to be a good son. Mom's probably thinking that's a little bit of a stretch, but anyway. But we do. We strive for perfection. And we're always left with this feeling of lacking, aren't we? We're always left with this feeling of lacking. When it comes to being a good Christian, we're always left with this feeling of lacking, aren't we? We're always left feeling like we can do a little bit better. And we'll try. We'll get out our Bible, we'll read it every day, and we'll do good. We'll do good, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and next thing you know, it's been three days before you've read your Bible. Or maybe in prayer. Maybe you've been praying every day, and you've been really good about it. You get up in the morning, you take some time, and you really spend some intentional time with Jesus. And then one morning, your alarm clock doesn't wake, uh, wake you up. You're always left feeling short. When it comes to our salvation, we're always going to be left feeling short. And here's why. Because we can never make ourselves right with God. Paul started off this scripture with saying, he is the first fruits. And that's very important for us to realize, but it's also important for us to realize what he's talking about. Me and Tommy have been talking about this song for the last two weeks now. It's a song that I haven't heard in a long time, and he kept, he kept singing it. You want to sing it for him? Yeah, bring it in the sheaves. You want to sing it? Because I can't, and I ain't going to. But how many of you have ever heard the song, Bring It In The Sheaves? Bring it in the sheaves. All right. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? Harvest. A harvest. Ha, 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 ha. But he's not just talking about any harvest. He's talking about something completely different. 
He's talking about bringing in a first fruit harvest. And the first time that we really see this is in Numbers chapter 18. Well, actually we see it in Exodus, but what we really deal with here is what's being said in Numbers 18. And what's being said in Numbers 18 is talking about the priestly portion. The priest had the job of holding, the temp- holding things together in the tabernacle. He had the job of presenting the offerings to God. He had the job of constantly uh, cleansing himself and making sure that his life was right with God so that he could present the offering to God. But there was an offering that was brought to the temple, to the temple that was, in a way, yes, it was for God, but in another way, it was for the priest. It was the priestly portion. They call it the wave offering. The people, when the grain, or when the grapes, or when the figs, or whatever they were harvesting, when it first started coming through, before anything else had really started budding, before anything else had even started putting on fruit, they would take that fruit, they would take that grain, they would take that harvest, even though there was nothing else in the field, and they would bring it to the temple. They brought it to the temple in hopes that because of them presenting this to God, that God would continue to bless that harvest. When they're talking about the wave offering, or the heave offering as some of them call it, or the sheave offering, what they're talking about is they're talking about banking on something that they don't see just yet. And when Paul is saying that Jesus is the first fruits, they are saying that if you bank on this, what you don't see yet will be fulfilled. Jesus is our wave offering. It goes on to say in Numbers 18, it says, I am your portion. Jesus is our portion. He's the one who makes atonement for us. He's the one who will raise us from the dead. And regardless of how dead in sin we may be right now, there is still forgiveness. There is still an offering. And you know what, brothers and sisters? Here's the thing. People feel like they can out-sin God. There is nothing you can do that that cross didn't pay for. There isn't a thing that you can do that that cross didn't pay for. And there isn't nothing that you can do that will hold you in that ground if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Not a thing. When we're buried, death buries what's what's corrupt. But God raises us up incorruptible. When we're dead, death buries what is shame but God will raise what is glorious. When we're dead, death buries what is our weakness, but God raises what is power. When we're dead, death buries our flesh, but God will raise what is spiritual. This is why death doesn't scare me anymore. I'm not gonna lie to you. There was a a time where I was scared to death. Not just how I died, but the uncertainty of what would happen when I died. 
Many pastors still argue to this day, what exactly takes place when you die? Well, I'll tell you when it happens, but right now I can't. But during that time when I was scared, it wasn't that I was scared of where I would go. It was me being scared of being alone. Think about it for a minute. When you're buried in a grave, you're separated from everything. I don't care if you're buried right next to your spouse. There's still about a foot room of dirt that separates you. There is a steel vault that separates you. There is a casket that separates you. And even though there's days that I don't like people, y'all know what I'm talking about, y'all have them too. There's days I don't want to be alone either. And that's what scared me the most about death. Just the fact of being alone. You ever been there? But when I read this scripture, when I read this scripture, I realized how fouled my thinking was when I was younger. And starting in verse 51, I want to read this to you. Behold, I tell you a mystery. You will not all sleep, but you will all be changed. In a moment of a twinkling of the eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. We will be changed. For this imperishable must put, or this perishable must put on imperishable. In other words, this flesh must put on spirit. And this mortal must put on immortality. In other words, this body that we're in right here that's going to decay must put on a spiritual body. But when the perishable <clears throat> will have put on the imperishable and the mortal will have put on the immortality, then we can come about saying in this writing, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For the sting of death is sin, but the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives, what's that say? Us. Us victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many people are afraid. Many people are afraid of death because of the uncertainty. The uncertainty of what's going to take place in your death. The uncertainty of how you're going to die. Many people are afraid for their loved ones. But there is nothing to fear in death. Because what death used to do withhold us, it can't hold us no more. Because we will not be alone. We will be risen. And do you know who we will be risen to? We'll be risen to him. Why? Because he went first. And if he went first, he will come back to us again. And when he comes back, a lot of people want to talk about, well, what do you think it's going to look like, Scotty? Again, I don't know. Tell you when we get there. 
I've got lots of views. I've got lots of opinions. But I can tell you this. Everyone who has professed Jesus Christ as Lord, Master, and Savior, for them, the day that Jesus rose from the dead was the day that death died. But for those who do not trust in Him, for those who have not repented, that does not mean that death is still alive. It is not still alive. It is dead. And your death will not end. Your death will continue. Your loneliness will continue. Your agony will continue. Your pain will continue. You say, well, Scotty, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you the truth. That there was a man who came to this earth, sent straight from heaven, knew that there was nothing that you can do on your own to make yourself right with him. He took the punishment, the punishment of death that was due you. He was buried. All hope seemed lost, but on the third day, he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he gained the victory over sin. He gained the victory over death. And if you will repent and trust in him, that victory is yours. That victory is yours. This morning, are you able to sit here with all confidence knowing that when Christ comes back, he's coming for you? Or are you concerned? Are you worried? Are you fearful that you will be left all alone? This morning, that can change. This morning, we may not just celebrate the day that Jesus rose. We may be celebrating the day that you will rise. If you will repent. Repent's an old word that means turn from yourself. Quit trusting in yourself to do it. And believe in what Jesus done for you. And you will trust him in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. And some will say, Scotty, that sounds like a far tale. That sounds like a far tale. I promise you this. If you believe that's a far tale, there will be a day that you wished you listened. Pray with me. Father, you are our first fruits. You are our portion. You are our deliverer. You are our redeemer. You have given us everything that we need. And Father, you have loved us so much 
that you were not even willing to spare your own son. This morning, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that gift that you've given us. We thank you that we no longer have to fear death. We thank you, God, that death's grip on us, it is dead. And while there are still consequences to serve, Lord, there is still hope. There is still hope that this world is not the end. Death could not hold you, Jesus. And because you've risen from the dead, it can't hold me either. Thank you for that. But Father, if there is one this morning who does not know you, if there is one this morning who can't truly celebrate the way we do, I pray you would draw them to yourself. For some of us, Lord, this morning, we just need the confidence to know that you are coming back for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the promises that are fulfilled in Jesus. Today we celebrate. We celebrate the day death died. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. We all have reason to celebrate this morning because that gift is offered to every single one of us. For some of us, we've already received that gift, but we still need that constant reassurance that he is coming back for us. For some, there's a chance that this may be the first time you realized that death is a reality. And that you, if you were to die today, you know that you would be separated from Jesus forever. Separated because that's what you chose. This morning, as we stand, as they sing, if you don't know Jesus, let me give you reason to celebrate. I'll be right up here. If you don't want to, if you're kind of nervous, you want to talk to me after, I'll be around after. But after they sing this song, or as they sing this song, for those who know Jesus, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to sing it. Sing it as a victory song for what Jesus has done for you.